Good day, good evening, good night, and good afternoon, and welcome to another exciting episode of The Black Cauldron. We're on episode number 12, ladies. Can you believe it? And you know we only record one episode per week. It's not like we've done this multiple times a week. So That's we have true. been in quarantine for three yeah, months. Really at least. Have. I mean, for sure. This episode, we didn't even start at the beginning. So, ladies, we're still alive, so we should be happy with that. And don't forget, this is the best podcast out there. And, I mean, <laughs> it really is. I mean, I would say maybe a close second behind our reels. Can find, actually, no, they're equal, neck and neck. Just awesome people, aren't it? <laughs> but before I go any further, let me introduce my co-hostesses with the mostesses. I am nothing without these ladies. Always tip black women. They're the best. We have Professor Deb, who Tony believes is the moral compass, is always right on this podcast. Professor, Professor Deb, how are you doing? I'm doing great. I just paid Tony to say that, but, but I'm doing great. <laughs> All right, Mrs. Fudge. All right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you do what you got to do to get people on Team Deb. That's all right. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And we have Janina from Far in Ohio. How are you doing, Janina? I'm good. I'm I'm really looking forward to wrapping up this stepchild of a book, as you call it. I think we're going to have another episode on this book. I just think so. But, you know, oh, it is that, you know. Oh, fans, you should know that Janina has a dog called Draco. So... <laughs> She literally has evil in her home. Today, I yelled at Draco, and I said, Draco, Alan, Malfoy. And and my child looked at me, because every every man in this family has the middle name Alan. So I was like, well, everybody else has it. <laughs> He's a full-fledged member. That's I right. wonder what, a, what a, a Draco middle name would be, though. I, I'm thinking it's something, I don't know. It's not gonna be Lucius, right? DLM. I don't know. I don't know. But I bet it's some kind of weird, you know, like Salazar. Uh, you know, I don't know. Something kind of like a. Somehow some... I think we know what it is, but I've forgotten it. I think it's come up, but somewhere really? in the series. Yeah, but I've forgotten. It. I, yeah, I have no idea. Interesting. I've forgotten. I, 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 I would it. Might be that I'm thinking. You know, it may have come up when they did the play. But um, oh, okay, okay. But um, I mean that's considered canon, so you know. Have you read the play? Have you seen the play? I've read, I Draco seen the play. Lucius I've... Malfoy. Oh, you googled it? I did. He is Lucius. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah, I um, I I read the play. I, I have a copy of it here somewhere. How is it? I have not seen it. I have not seen it. Did you enjoy it? I didn't think it was that well written, but I definitely thought that the thematically it it worked. I mean, it really does um, reels. You would be interested simply because it really does show the uh, the impact of the trauma on the on the adults, on these on these these kids that we knew, and how they how they've been traumatized and how it plays out in their adult lives. Yeah, I heard a, um, interesting enough, I heard a queer um, review. Um, there's this podcast called, oh my God, I forgot what it's called, but it was on um, WNYC um, called The Nancy something, if I'm not mistaken. But they were talking about the play and they mentioned the kids of the um, Harry Potter and I think it's Malfoy, right? It's centered around those children. Um and how they had this relationship, and the relationship seemed to have been going someplace, 
And then in the end, the relationship just went like, ah, oh, well. Fist bump. That's all I think. It was sort of annoying, I think. But, I mean, I've never really... Um, again, I think because of the fact that how she dealt with... We will come to that at some point. How she dealt with book seven, the mm-hmm. epilogue. I just wasn't too keen on um, seeing what the future held. Because I was far more interested in the past. For me... I wanted to know what was the issues and situations surrounded about Dumbledore leading up to Dumbledore after he fought Grindelwald. Because mm-hmm. all of that situation and these children, these the parents of these children, Neville's parents, right. Harry's parents, how all of how that whole world sort of circulated. So I was really interested. And, 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 and to some extent, we're going to really get into that in what we're talking about here because we yeah, literally, say, we, we forgot to mention the Order of the Phoenix. And we never really dealt with that. But right. we're going to get into all of that. I know, Janina, it, it is a very, um, oh, let me introduce myself. I am Reels. But I would say that, you know, Janina, you have been sticking out in my head, you know, constantly about how, you know, you sort of skip over this book. And I wonder if we, if we can sort of like, each of us could have like a general feeling about what we have, what we felt about the book. I mean, I, I guess I would start to sort of give an example. I, like I said, when I read the book the first time, I was just like, are you kidding me? Oh, we're going to give this book right away. I remember I was working at a supermarket and this lady and I was friends, she had a daughter. And I was just like, oh, I haven't gotten the book yet. I'm just like, here you go. <laughs> and I remember I was hanging out with my best friend before to get it and you know all those places you know because this was the first book I was going to buy because the other four I had borrowed from someone and I got the this was the first one that's going to be published and I was like close in proximity and of course all the regular places didn't have it and then I went to a pharmacy doing read um I don't know if you know what that is but it's like yeah. it's not writing and whatever the case may be and they had a whole stack of the books selling in there. And I was thinking of pharmacy. Just that's how the power of this book and the publishing more right. had been. I mean, some supermarkets were even selling this book. Because I know my supermarket, the, it was a chain brand. They were selling it, but just not my specific location. Mm-hmm. And I found the book for 20 bucks. And I was just like, oh, let's go. And I devoured that book in less than a day. And I was just like, are you kidding me? I was enraged. I was enraged with Harry. I was enraged with J.K. Rowling. I was enraged with Dolores Umbridge. I was enraged by the whole magical society. <clears throat> because I was just like, seriously, and uh, Cedric is dead, people. Like, I don't understand what y'all that happened here. Like, y'all have solutions to these problems. There, there shouldn't have been any doubt whether or not Harry was telling the truth. You know, it was just enraging. But uh, I felt that for, as a book within the whole series, I felt that this book sort of had a lot of information that we... We discovered someplace else I didn't even care to even focus or pay attention to. Mm-hmm. Like it, it, it was just almost like it was almost like a placeholder, basically, that she either wanted to get to someplace or do something with this book and couldn't necessarily get there. So this book sort of like stayed in this. It has this very odd feel, and maybe a lot of it is information, and probably what we were seeking in book five was action. That so much of it was just information, but then book six has a lot of information and that seemed far more useful to us at least to me than as opposed to book five so in many ways Janina you are you're right in saying you know this book this book can be forgotten and skipped over because in many ways there's not much in here that you could have we could have just got this in a very summarized place in like three pages <laughs> I felt you know like yeah. what we can take out of it you know what when I mean I... Like, the other books were very intricate in details and whatever 
but this doesn't necessarily this doesn't feel that way at least to me so when i read this book for the first time um i too had to purchase it i was of course excited about it because you know i had this was the second book that i had to buy so this was the second time i had to wait for more harry potter um i'm excited to read it i did not read it that quickly because i didn't enjoy it as much i don't want to say that i hated this book i didn't hate it um but you're right there's not a lot of adventure um there are pieces of it that are nice you know that i enjoyed um but i just i just didn't love it i didn't love it i felt that it moved really slow i still i still feel like it moves really slow um I appreciate it now that we're combing through it. I appreciate it more, but I still will skip it. Um, I And I felt like, um, I was like, damn, Sirius is dead. Like, does Harry get nothing? Nothing. And even though he's such a twit in this book, isn't he? He's such just, you want to wring his neck and say, get your head out of your own ass ass stop it but i i remember feeling like really sad for him like you just found Sirius, and now he's taken away from you it's just you know but i did get annoyed and i'm more annoyed every time i read this book at how selfish harry is in this book and i know that it's just his age because god knows i'm living it myself right now in my own house but I'm like, <laughs> stop acting like that. I want to wring his damn neck. I, I just want to be like, everything isn't all about you. Even though this entire series is pretty much based about, you know, you. Everything's not about you. Stop acting like this. The best part, um, this entire book could probably have been summed up with, um, uh, what's the guy's name? Nigellus. Finian Nigellus yeah. when he tells when he tells he tells actually Harry and Dumbledore basically the same thing at two different places you know kids always think they know best right. and they don't shut up and listen and know your place essentially and I'm like yeah that's what this book is about right and well, there's just so much extra stuff right, that I just um, there's just too much extra and it's not fun extra you know that's the problem right. Right. And I think I think there are too many things that are rep, that are too repetitious and there is not you know, there are things that are done over and over again. And I understand that sometimes that's a that's a choice um, for pacing to build tension. But that's not what it does in this book. It tends to feel like didn't we just do this? You know, when it's whether it's umbrage and, you know, whatever decree it was or what have you. I thought Ma we, educational right, um, Ministry really, of Magic educational decree number did that. So to the point where, you know, <clears throat> it just really wasn't necessary. And I don't know um, whether it was a, an attempt to edit this book and they took out too much and realized there were things that they needed for, to move the story forward. I'm not sure. Um, but I do think there were moments in this book that were really, really well done. And as annoying as Harry is in this book, he is perfectly on target for adolescent development. 
And we see that he doesn't really settle into who he is until he has the attempt, the opportunity to teach and to direct to show what he has mastered in terms of his own abilities with defense against the dark arts. We see a totally different Harry when he yeah. is working in, in Dumbledore's army. Prior to that, he feels caged in. He feels because he's, you know, his body and his, his expectations of life are moving way faster than his, you know, his own development or, you know, what society says he's able to do. So I think in those regards, I think it's absolutely on target. But there were so many things that just seemed to go on forever. The grow up episode seemed to go on and on and on. So, yeah, I, I get Even it. Even Dolores' presence. Just yeah, seems to go yeah. On. I mean, that just seemed to go on. I mean, it just seemed like they dragged it out from, from her becoming the teacher to her, you know, just every step of the way. I didn't think we needed to see every single teacher um, being. Um, oh, yes. I mean, oh. It just didn't make any sense. And there was not any reason in the storyline for us to understand, for us to see that, you know, I each think time. What she, I think she would, I think also there was a lack of magic. That yeah. There was nothing. There was nothing magical involved in any of these other situations that a lot of people were having, and um, so you felt like, why are we doing this? You you have already belabored the political point in book four, right. and right. now you, you you are stressing something else here. And what was even do? This wasn't politics as much as it was bureaucracy. Well, yeah. this but, was this was bureaucracy, and this was you know you show where the mesh of politics and bureaucracy had kind of cut this was this was bureaucracy weaponized and so you really and nobody felt, did anything about it that was the part yeah, that frustrated me that, that you you just basically sat back and right. let this thing go and she was literally harming students she was students harming students she was she was sadistic and i get the whole idea that you have people who are placed into placed in places of responsibility for the care of young people and the education of young people who have no damn business anywhere near <laughs> a young nope. person. I get that. But I think that, um, you know, we had, it just really was so dragged out and with so many different times. Even and none of these people did anything about it. And that's the thing that pissed me right. off. Right. Like you people, like, I, I mean, Dolores could try best whatever she was trying to do. And as we saw in many moments, when push came to shove, Dolores is a weakling. She's a coward. Yeah. She, was she a coward. is a coward. I mean, you didn't like Harry? Go after him yourself. But she found ways around the system trying to be neat about this thing. And and she was evil and vile, sadistic, as you mentioned. And she was a she she potentially tried to kill this child. But you know yeah. what? You know what? I, I don't disagree with you at all. Like, you know, go after him yourself. But isn't this exactly how things look? in the real world well, right it's a good representation like you you're a person of so-called authority you get somebody else to do your dirty work in that in that sense when you look at it that way it makes sense but this woman is vile like she that, is just vile and I the only i don't like i i think she it is carried out way too much in the book um this is one spot where i i gotta give props to the movie because they fast forward through all the decrees right and right. um but they 
in the movie, they let you know, like, how much it is, if you remember, like, the wall with the yeah, parchment the just, like, yeah. falling down, and it's, like, yeah. everywhere, and it's massive. And I'm thinking, why couldn't it have been more like this in the book? Because we don't need to hear about every single damn thing. Mm-hmm. And, and it, the thing that bothers me the most about this book, is, like I, I think I said last week, is just, like, how very human they keep behaving, right? How very non-magical. Like, you have a solution to these problems. I'm not to say, like, you need to weaponize and fight measure for measure. But you have literally set up your society against humans, saying that you are the superior being, right? You constantly stress this mess. But every chance you get, you're acting just like the same human because they have to have some concept of humanity, which is the odd thing about this book, is that one of the interesting things about this book, Dodie Wolf, exist simultaneously it's not like a magical world you are entering into like the chronicles of narnia right the two worlds are coexisting at the same timeline and same speed but what is interesting is that they have no concept of what's happening in the world yet there is no magical village there's only one magical village so they they have to live amongst people they literally have to live amongst people and we saw this precisely with the quidditch world cup that they had to take special precaution in order to avoid because there is no place where wizards can meet in, in huge numbers that mag- that humans will not come into close proximity. So you have to come in the room. saw that where they placed St. Mungo's. St. Mungo's in hospital, exactly. They had to, you know, we just couldn't open up, you know, we just couldn't have all of us gathering. So we had to figure out a, where we could have this hospital where it wouldn't draw attention. Of, of the muggle. The school is the same thing too. Unless you're magical, you won't see the school. You would see a broken down building. And you, and of course, the children are shielded from this. But this is the thing that I mean in terms of like, you have this situation and yet they have no concept of humanity, of how humans operate. Because clearly there is no way you can exist in England and English things are not happening to you. You know what I mean? Particularly when so many homes are mixed. You have a muggle parent who has to go into the muggle world and work, and he lives in with, with he's married to a witch, or she's married to, um, I mean, vice versa. So it's it's a rather sort of an odd but there's there's been absolute unless we're in private drive and we get the news, um, you get no mention of what's happening. Well, and it, it's it's Dumbledore who mentions, I think, in book four, I read the muggle newspaper, yeah, and no one in this world doesn't do it. So. That was the part that sort of like that that keeps wrecking me. Just like, but this is exactly how humans would behave. Like this is well, showing. Well, don't us- you don't you think maybe a little bit of it is arrogance? You know, of I'm a wizard. I don't need to know what's going on because I can use magic and do whatever, even though that doesn't work all the time, clearly. But their you know, biggest but, salute, but their biggest problem has always been the fact that they, they cannot just use magic. And we will get that in right. book six. That's what I'm spells this out. That's because, what I'm I mean, saying. Dolores Umbridge, I'm not saying that you should make Dolores Umbridge disappear and whatever. But what is what is what is most upsetting to me is that Dolores Umbridge and Cornelius Fudge is allowed to run amok in this whole educational system and no one says a thing. No one. Like, well, I they, think that's one of the things that we we have, we decided upon that we have, I think we've agreed upon in terms of the magical world is, you know, if, 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 if a whole group of people can have a personality or have a trait, they 
definitely will look away from anything unpleasant. They mm -hmm. look for any quick fix, which, which really, I mean, could be the good old US of A. They look for <laughs> any quick fix. And if, even if the quick fix, if somebody tells them this is why X, Y, and Z, even if it makes no logical sense, and people will go, phew, well, I don't have to worry about that anymore because we've just answered that question. You're like, well, you haven't answered anything at all. That makes cosmetic no sense. Cosmetic changes, right? Exactly. The cosmetic exactly. change, but, cosmetic but we're not looking to the systematic issues that are at play. Exactly. Yeah, true. And let's, is, let's just move on. You know, how many times have we heard move on or haven't we moved on? And this is what this particular group of people does. Even though they're children, are being harmed, and surely people are writing home about Dolores. The lines, because it's not just Harry yeah. getting lines, and it's showing it wasn't that the punishment for Harry wasn't specific to Harry. Right. right? He probably and, just and got people, more of it. Before that, you know, P Dolores was obviously, you know, the way she dealt with students, and 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 after even the various decrees. You mean nobody wrote home and said, "Mom, this is some really strange things are going on here," and you know, so different. Where even McGonagall is basically saying, "Harry, you know, keep your head down." You know, right. nobody, nobody, even the people that we expect. You know, McGonagall is a, is a fiery spirited person, but she, I think, they're also. Um, kind of cowed by fighting on different fronts. They know they've got to fight on the Voldemort front, but they've also got to fight on this bureaucratic front. And they've decided that, you know, we've got to put all of our energy on fighting this Voldemort front until we look up and the two fronts have merged. Right. Mm -hmm. They're playing 3D chess all the time. And Dumbledore the says this, he says this, he says this here, and this is a theme that will be repeated so there, so there are parts of this book, like I said, you know, like it comes up here, but it's not, it's not long lasting enough. We don't get to delve into that. Right. It comes back again in book seven because Dumbledore says here, what if countless people keep dying and mm -hmm. things are happening out in the world? I get to, 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 to hold on to you. Things are happening here because this is the thing that seems to be happening. It's just like, they're playing some like, first of all, I don't give a shit. Moody would have to come back to that school. I just say, Moody, you promised me a year last year. Technically, you didn't do a year. Still, right, right. you got to get your year back in town, okay? I'm not interested in why. You know, because, because clearly, Dumbledore's going to come, um, Voldemort's going to come at this school. Dolores is not, uh, defense, it is like me having PE and sitting in a chair all day long. Oh, it's that basically sense. what they're doing. That's basically what they're doing, that she is basically giving. And the bad thing about it is they are going to be tested on stuff that she is refusing to teach. Exactly. They are going, it's bad enough we've got these tests, but we're going to be, we're going to be tested on stuff that you have decided, or you say the ministry has decided, is too dangerous to be taught. So we we are still going to be held accountable for it, even if you refuse to teach us. And you know, and there, and and everybody knows at high school the way you learn you don't learn anything just sitting there reading a book. Oh. You never have any discussion. There'll be no need for talking. Wands away. That's graduate There's school. That's right, right, right. There's <laughs> nothing. There's nothing. There's no interaction with student with each other there's no you know, the way harry um does his dumbledore's army classes it's almost like being in a lab because you're actually doing practical things 
you're learning cool things. What I find is crazy is that that room should have been the room that they should have had dunk stays in the school, right? But that right. room didn't exist. That room is the required room. That room is it, it's come upon upon command. You know, so there are just these things, and this is why when I said, you know, so you can these children can't fight Dalahar. They can't. You not with some stunning spells and some petrificus totalis. Dollar Hobbs are not playing with that mess. You see that Tarantalegra um, <laughs> jinx he put at Neville. You see how destructive that thing was? I mean, right. he didn't have to put Neville in pain, but Neville is totally incapacitated, and it isn't something that is going to wear off. And I mean, this is the kind of, a, this is the thing that disappoints me about the book generally. It's about when it comes to these kind of things, it's that these children are so totally inadequate. So, they have been shortchanged so badly. I mean, I mean, for me, the only great teacher has been Snape and um, Lupin. Right. They've but been the only they, one who took, it, who took it seriously. To off, they were able to hold off the the um, the Death Eaters until the order arrived. And that um, matters. When it that matters, matters because I, I think I think it's only because um, because of the space they were in. They right. were in a, 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 a mysterious room. No, that that's elevated. not true. That's no, not true. I, no, I think they do some things. It. It's part of it, but they did do some things that were productive and, and that worked. No, I, I, yes. I'm not saying no, but 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 you see, this is the thing I'm talking about. You know, you're talking about like you know, this magical world. You ain't shit without the stick, right? And they keep leaving these people with the sticks. But I think part of the thing is the environment that helped them, right? That, that well, this they they were ingenious to do this, right? They were totally outmatched in terms of intellect, in terms of the superior <laughs> knowledge that these people had. And right. I don't think that initially, too, the people didn't intentionally, they didn't want to kill them immediately. That killing them was not the case, right? Because they didn't know exactly um, who had the prophecy and all that thing may have gone around. But right. I, I, I think to me, it's one of the things that um, when you consider these are, these are children, like, like Harry totally... When to go fight Voldemort? Like, like you've said this, Harry. That I can't fight this man. You know what I mean? It's just luck you got out of um thing. And I mean, it wasn't until the protection that the parents put upon saved him from the Death Eaters, right? Because that that wall that the the people who came back out of the the, the thing, but Dumbledore had Voldemort had said, you know, don't do anything, right? Mm-hmm. Don't don't right. touch him. So I mean, in many ways, Harry has gotten lucky i mean great luck and i mean like superior skill to him and you know just the sheer nerve i mean because not many people he has stood up to he, i mean like whereas everyone run from voldemort the, the thing is that he has always run to voldemort yeah uh, yeah I, I, have... think, I think that's true and i think i think that sheer nerve has gotten him through a lot of situations through a lot of situations because and that's but i think that's a, a positive trait because he has sometimes, and I think if you think about it, it was the sheer will that kept him from totally being crushed by the Dursleys. So the fact that he stands up, I mean, that is who he is. He doesn't always have a plan. He doesn't all. he's very often reacting to situations, but one of his traits is he won't back down. He won't back down from a fight. Even but if he, he needs knowledge. That's the thing he that always need, struck me. He needs knowledge. And he, he needs, needs far more than what he has been given. That's and, right. And that's far right. more than he is seeking. And that's yeah. the problem that's always... Harry, you are fighting... You are not fighting a grown... You are fighting a war by yourself. Right. 
Right. That's basically the responsibility Dumbledore puts on him because the magical world stopped. The British magical will stop fighting Voldemort. They just stop. Everyone they who they, they, just, they just stopped because there was no real plan. They right. just felt that the, the, the only plan that they had was that Harry was still alive. And Dumbledore right. made the, the point of saying, you know, trust Harry. But not necessarily to get ahead. But it, for me, it's like they were in this room with all these books. And I'm just like, this is it, Harry. Everyone you have seen, Dumbledore, Snape, even and, and Hermione just like, oh, Harry, you're a powerful wizard. No, Hermione, you are the powerful one. It requires knowledge because the thing that J.K. Rowling does and sets up and then pushes back again is that sometimes there is instinctual things that happen, right? Harry in the Occlumency class, he, he detects in Jinx. He didn't intend to, to, to sing um, Snape. But you don't think yes. that's a testament to his power? But it, but I do yes, believe okay, Harry but here's is a the thing, Janina, But here's the thing. But but in the moments when the fighting is happening, that is not what is happening. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's not what is happening. What is happening is that he's saying a spell out loud. You know, Avada Kedavra, Crucial, whatever the case may be. And and these are the things that I'm talking about. Like if we're going to have battle magic. Because, like, consider the fights that you see in the Ministry of Magic, right? It wasn't just like, plop, 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 plop. You understand what I'm saying? That they were really going at each other. The fights that we do get to see. I mean, like, spells are not spoken about per se all the time. But we see some description. And we don't even know the spells to describe some of these things. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> what is the spell to make water come up and make a cocoon? You know what I mean? Right, and in one right. of the books, Dumbledore turns off the sound of the wind. That's right. That's right. But yeah. but but this is because it's almost like there is a certain way to you categorize people's ability with magical people's magical ability. And certainly Dumbledore and Voldemort and Snape are very creative in how they use magic. They don't just and you think of we'll we'll talk much more about this in the next book, but they're not textbook wizards. Right. They need Harry needs more knowledge, yes, but he, but he, you know, we we's never. This is not where the folks that are actually succeeding are being able to to use what's in the textbook. It's not like they've mastered mm -hmm. the text. And you know, and, and you said something on on your outline. You talked about, and this leads me to the discussion about Hermione, and you know how Hermione interacts with. You know, we think about Hermione as having, because she's got the knowledge and because she's curious about the knowledge and she has knowledge beyond um, what she's supposed to know. She doesn't just, she's always reading ahead. So when they go. And the ability, there isn't just the knowledge, there no, is the ability, ability she's obviously to a do it. Witch. She's a talented witch and she has, and she, but she, <clears throat> what she's done is because she, of her own curiosity. And because she just is just hungry for knowledge of this, of everything that has to do with the world, she's always reading ahead. And when you see Hermione, and you know, you were talking about how Hermione interacts with um, various other females, Hermione also has that thing with that we see with people who are marginalized to a degree. I talked about in the past how she feels like she's got to be twice as good, but she's also a person who has no time for women that she doesn't feel 
um, are using their mm-hmm. mind. Mm-hmm. She doesn't. If you think about the women that she had, she like the way she dismisses Luna in this book mm-hmm. is cruel. <laughs> <laughs> and it's and, and it's so shady, right? Because because one, Luna is in Ravenclaw, which means you don't you don't roll into Ravenclaw unless you're smart. Ravenclaw, and that, you know she and people say to Hermione, shouldn't you be in Ravenclaw? But you know she, she, I think she dismisses Luna because Luna doesn't have the outward trappings of a bril- of a brilliant mind. She mm-hmm. dismisses Trelawney because she feels like Trelawney is just a fraud and is doesn't have any. You know she's obviously not using you know either skills. McGonagall is the same way too. You should see McGonagall is the same yes. way. Yes, and McGonagall is she's much she she she. She has utmost respect for McGonagall because she sees herself in McGonagall's image. Mm-hmm. She she also <clears throat> she she um feels that same way about Umbridge, but she feels like Umbridge is, a, is an obstacle to work around. Like that's why she comes up with you know Harry teaching the class, the DA class. I think she treats boys this way too, right? There's a thing oh, yeah. that reminds me reminds me of that woman who's that just thing. like. I'm yeah. not going to fight patriarchy today. You know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to do the work and have him sign it, and it's going to get done. Somebody got to get this shit done. And exactly. I need a man to to be the front for this operation. But, right. you know, she's it's almost like, what's that movie with Whoopi Goldberg? She was in it. Um, oh, my God. And there's another woman who won Oscar. They were where Whoopi Goldberg was pretending to be a white guy in order to get her business program going. Oh, I um, Forgotten the name of the movie, but, but I know, you know what, what I'm talking. Yeah, but I think I think that I, but Hermione, in, in many ways, Hermione, and maybe it's coming from the Muggle world. Hermione is very practical that way. Mm-hmm. She recognizes the world that she's in, basically, and she she recognizes the attributes it shares with the human world, and she knows that she needs to um, how she's going to navigate this world. And but when she meets up with someone that she knows more than, and she she can see their peep their whole card as the saying goes, like Rita Skeeter, mm-hmm. she knows how to handle it. But I think that Hermione is always about the mind and who has the ability and who knows how to use that knowledge. And she, I don't think it's because she's just not you know attuned to other women. She feels very close to Jenny. And while Jenny might not be the scholar that Hermione is, Jenny. Well, I don't know if that's true. <laughs> well, she's definitely no slouch. She's not a right. I mean, I mean, in terms of, I'm just trying to say that there is no evidence to suggest that Jenny isn't particularly very smart. Jenny, that Jenny she seems to be very smart. a prodigious witch. I think Jenny, Jenny is um, savvy. Savvy, I think so too. Would be a good way to, but to describe her but she i i don't think that um i don't think we have any reason to believe that she's not smart as far oh, as no, like no, doing no, well in no, school no, no, no. No, I'm, I'm agreeing she, with that completely yeah, I'm, she, I'm that she, <clears throat> she seems to be doing that but to me i get the always got the impression that Tommy talks with the other girls but she just finds them for the most part boring and it, it's to your point Deb, about you know they they're not just not on her level per se but right. she definitely gets on well enough with the other girls you know what I mean? But yeah. she somehow yeah. seems to hang out. But, but I keep thinking, like, girl, why are you hanging with these to do for say, like, girl? Like, 
They well, don't have any she, she always knows what's going on in the world of other people. And that's a, that's another skill set that she has. I mean, you know, people used to make fun when she first got there. Remember how they made fun of her? She was really kind of isolated. She is, and it's not just because she's Harry Potter's, one of Harry Potter's best friends. She has managed to make it so that she can move easily anywhere in that school that she mm-hmm. wants to. She's not interested in the Slytherins, but anywhere she wants to, <clears throat> the Slytherins are not going to you know, be receptive. But she, all the other houses... Yeah, she's she, friends with all of them. Yeah, she's friends across the board. And she knows, she knows, she knows who knows what and who does what. I mean, the way she can break it down for Harry when he when he comes back from his interaction with Cho, <laughs> uh, she's like, oh, she's got the intel. You know, I'm, she, I'm laughing at that whole conversation. She was just like, I love that. Oh conversation. my god, she's just like, <laughs> I was just like, just Hermione like, is very much aware of who she surrounds herself with. Yes. she is a collector of people, and each one of them serve a purpose period and she's good at it and it's not malicious is why it oh, I works don't think for so. her but but how she but for me what i thought was interesting is that there were we've seen so many male frauds in the book right we've seen right. the corals we've seen the, the lockheart and she was like googly eye of a lockheart but what i thought was interesting was was the the, the how women interact about that women mcgonagall is somewhat sort of like you know and and I, I want to say like shush on the power structure that like you criticism. You know, Dumbledore is the man who criticizes, and she herself is afraid to say Voldemort's name, et cetera, et cetera. She's almost like the conservative witch, and she plays that part very well. But it's how Hermione, that whole interaction with Rita Skeeter, that, that whole way she played Umbridge, she was just like, I hope this weapon gets to you, you know. They can't come, girl. Like, you know, that whole... Yeah. I was just like, who is this person? I don't know this girl. And she totally set up the whole thing. It's like, you know, like, the one mistake she made was that, you know, oh, I just brought her hair so that y'all can fuck with her. <laughs> with, with this shit but you know what? Her. We do know that this is who Hermione is. She, It's just been building, and she's just been getting better. Because she is the one who always surprises us with the... It's time to break the rules. It's time to tell the lie. She always does it at the at the very best, most opportune moment. And as we move through this series, she just gets better and better and better at it. So, you know, again, this is a good development of character and being able to see them actually grow as far as age and emotionally as well the brains of this operation she totally is the brains she is for sure 100 percent the brains and one of the things you know when and when um you know i think at some point when someone says to her you should have been in, in ravenclaw and you know you think about it though hermione also has a lot of courage too Hermione was the one who stopped Moody or whoever that was when he they were when she saw that Neville was in distress. Right. right. What he was doing. She she's all, in addition to being the brains, she's never she's never really backed down from from standing up. And she has taken some withering bullshit from Snape. She has taken mm. some exactly taken some withering. Snape is people talk about how Snape deals with Harry, but Snape is cruel to her mind and she every is time. clearly the best potion person in his class exactly and she but she every time she raises her hand he, it's like how can i humiliate this bee again and so 
So she, but she still raises her hand. She still, she does not still. You're going to see me. And but you know, know what's interesting, we, we, we find out in book six that she. Umbridge. She's the one who said to Umbridge, wait a minute. We're going to be tested on this stuff. Right. You mean, tell me She's the one who understood what Umbridge was doing in the class. Exactly. Oh. She understood from the different, from when Umbridge stood up at the, at the welcoming feast. She said, did you hear what she said? They were like, I don't know. I know. <laughs> I wish she would stop talking. She, she, was she, she is the most observant one in the whole crowd. It, yeah. is, it, it is her. It is. So it it's is not her. just, in, one of the, in many ways, it's not just, oh, Hermione, she got she got the big head. She got her head you know in the... Uh, you know what would have... Well I'm sorry. What would have made Hermione the the best of the best is maybe this is why in the play she was black because she should have been black from the beginning. <laughs> and then she could have been that strong black of. woman. And you know, I mean, she is described as the frizzy-haired girl. No, she's and... black. She's black. Jake and Rowling never makes a mistake. But I, I I think you know initially I didn't understand that essay, but as we're having this discussion, I mean, no slight to white women. Because honestly, most white women in this scenario wouldn't have played second fiddle to the boys and let the boys run their way and, you know what I mean, That's get themselves, whatever. But I, I think this is why people feel... Wait, what did you say, Deb? That's the way That's what? They're socialized. They're right. socialized to do that. Yes. To play second fiddle. To not, you know, draw too much attention to themselves for their brilliance. And, it's, and, it, and it is often black women who can hang around with boys and withstand the scrutiny because under normal circumstances by this age Hermione isn't displaying any traits of being a tomboy people would have said oh, well they did say it Rita was throwing that in her face right mm-hmm. you're sleeping yep. with one of these you're playing these boys right. you know what I mean and it's oftentimes I would say you know my my experience that it's black women who the one could navigate this space and be hanging with the boys and be perfectly at ease with it and still show their intellect. You know, mm-hmm. that they seem to be, I find mm-hmm. that black women tend to have better relationship, uh, women of color, I would say generally, tend to have better, I don't know if it's because of the, um, typically in other cultures besides white European cultures, where typically boys and girls are tend to separate it in socializing. Mm-hmm. Um, but in other cultures, I find boys and girls socialize together. So you would often find that cousin who has, you know, you know, like my cousin, um, in my particular case, my cousin's female, you know, she hang out with my brother and my other cousin who's a male, like all of us sort of thing. When my sister, by not necessarily thinking of my sister, she has a very good relationship with so many guys. And they're like, why? She's like, I have brothers. I am the only right. girl in right. my house, you know? So it tends to be things. An interesting thing I, I just realized is that Hermione is the only full muggle born in the school per se. I don't know if the Creevy brothers, if they're actually full muggle, um, but she's the only muggle born of no word that where both parents are muggle. They have no clue about the magical world. Mm-hmm. Um, and we get no sense of her parents at all in the book. But I thought it was rather interesting that everyone else could be half and half. Tonks is half. Though her, par- though her father is a wizard, though he's muggle born. So it's sort of interesting how Hermione is sort of this sort of a interesting. Uh, but remember, but, but, she does write to her parents to when she is made a prefect, and she asks Harry if she can borrow Hedwig. Or the so parents that, would understand that context. Because her parents <clears throat> understand that, 
but she, so she's still wanting to show her parents, oh, you know, this is something that you could, you know, that I'm doing really well here and you can really appreciate this because it's similar to something that you're familiar with. So I'm so I, still, at home being, yeah. a, being a right drama queen with her parents. So it's like, oh, don't talk it. to me. I'm busy. I'm busy, parents. But the parents, no. you know, like she seems <laughs> to be like her parents. She, she, she's well to do, right? Hermione is rich by all standards because she's looking at Harry like, Harry, don't you not see what ran his behavior in book four, right? She, mm-hmm. she understood exactly what was happening, right? Because she comes from, you know, well to do family. So I can right. see Hermione totally being. And I mean, she isn't behaving this way in the magical world just because she's trying to, she's a witch. Like, she was always, she was kicking these girls' asses in grades in primary school. Like, Hermione was probably, the top. Probably, you know, the, she probably read early. She probably read early, exactly. So I'm, I'm sure she seemed to be very independent. And, and some of it for a long time, they probably just assumed it was because she was a prodigy. But then it became apparent that there was, in addition to being a, a prodigy, she was also... Had, was gifted in this particular way, and I think it's it's so interesting. Um, and as we as we think about the trio all together, we also see we Ron who you know, decides that he is going to throw his hat in the ring and be a part of Quidditch, and you know that whole situation with him. We talked a little bit about him trying to come out from first behind his brother's shadow, then now then behind Harry's shadow. And his this attempt to be, first he's hiding it. He, he doesn't let anybody know he's practicing. Um, but he is determined that he is going to, he's going to be good at something too. And so we do have all three of them doing the kinds of things that teenagers do at this age. Mm-hmm. I think it's really one of the strengths of the series <clears throat> that it does show that kind of development that this is normal and the way Ron handles it you know it, of course it's it's a little bit of levity with the Weasley is our king um situation but um, he um is determined just to- so you know I have been in houses and competition that is exactly what we would do exactly oh, yeah. what we would do oh, like yeah. we would we would drag even though this isn't this isn't house into school rivalry. This is in this is this is within the school rivalry. This isn't like three right. schools competing. This is like we would totally sing a Weasley is our king. And I did make up a song against someone in my oh, class. You, know. <laughs> you know, I, I hate to make a tennis a tennis reference. Do you know people on uh, uh, Novak fans were going to uh, Fed matches and just holding up signs that said forty fifteen? Right. <laughs> oh, I was at one of those matches. Okay. So, I mean, the, the, to the idea that you would, you know, pounce on someone um, from the opposition. And, I mean, that's realistic. Totally realistic. The way they dragged him. And, you know, he was giving them plenty of ammunition there for a while. God, he was. He was did you see that, that first goal? I was just like, bro, you let, like, 16 goals in. Like, I know. Seriously. <laughs> I know. We let 16 goals, and I think it was like 170 to 160. I was yeah. like, bro, 17 goals. That didn't even, they weren't even interested in catching the snitch at that point. Right. Because it was like. He just could I mean, Poor I think Ron. it was. Really I was just like, wow, dude. Like. It's a lot more. You know, <laughs> I'm Paul Angelina. And just like the, the poor black woman, right? The only real black woman, she got to deal with the hot mess. Like. 
right. up with right. the dog team. Like she literally <laughs> Oliver Wood had Oliver Wood had an excess of riches. You know what I mean? Yeah. As soon as Oliver yeah. leaves, she's Andy. I think I got a halfway decent team. I look up, you are suspended or you're expelled or banned for life. Banned for life, exactly. The, 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 the core of the team is banned for life. And the I'm left. The are beating themselves. Yeah. <laughs> I'm left with this madness. And, you know, and I think it's more developed in the next book. But Ron is definitely a, a young person who is, um, his confidence. He, he is a confidence performer. So if he is not feeling confident, he just really has a very hard time doing anything well. And I think um, he, on the one hand, he's so desperate to, to be a part of something, on his, to, to contribute, which I think was what drove him to, to try out for this, for this position. But I think he you know, has not really been allowed to develop I mean, you got you've got brothers like um, Fred and George. Um, you know, you can you can you know you can uh, wipe off wipe out um, Percy. You know, because you know, really seriously, he didn't want to. He didn't want to. No one him. wants to be like Percy. Right. But the way that the swagger of the Weasley twins is something to be. <clears throat> and you Bill, know, and Bill, Bill, was, Bill was the cool kid. Bill okay. was. Right. The Bill pulls the villa. Yes, <laughs> he, he, he's, 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 he can snatch the girls. You got Charlie uh, he, he, wrestling he can with snatch the, the girl who was supposed to seduce him. He seduced the seducer, right? Right. <laughs> like he did. You and know what I mean? Got, got Charlie got that muscle. Yeah. Charlie he, is that um dragon. that beef bear. In my mind, Charlie is gay. Just saying that. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Deb. Charlie is doing Brobat Mountain. But Charlie, but Charlie apparently <laughs> caught into Harry, I got into Ron. He's like big and burly, like the yeah. twins. So I, I think though though the movie style doesn't really accentuate it. It is Ron who is particularly the tallest in the family. Right. Ron right. is the tallest. The the twins are actually stocky, not necessarily. Right. Fat, but they're much more muscular and shorter. They're about the same height as um as Charlie. They're about this. They're roughly the same build. And Bill and Percy and Ron are tall and gangly. Though Ron seems to be right. all taller than everybody else in the in in the whole school, basically. <laughs> but, but he doesn't have any of those of the brothers that you know kind of have all of the swagger. It got it was none left. When it, you know, Percy's got some that is kind of like. There was none left. It was no swagger. Well, I mean, but but can he develop swagger? Because I mean, at this point, there's just so many. Oh, he's definitely gonna develop some swagger. But you know what's funny? I assume that you know, in my mind, he's like. Maybe his swagger is dormant, and it just hasn't. (laughs) Well, maybe it's also because you know. I think it comes up in book seven where they kept expecting he would have been a boy, a girl, and he mm-hmm. wasn't, right? It's another boy. And I mean, they're going to leave. I mean, by the time what, he's baby number five or baby number six, is it? I don't know. Um, Charlie, Bill. Yes, baby Percy. number six. Baby number six, right? Yeah. And you know that baby number six, you just, you just don't. 
you have, you you don't do the caring diaper business. You don't do that, right? <laughs> well, but, you know, if you're if you're like you know the the rest of the re- the regular world, you know you got all of these other siblings, and you basically you know Mrs. Weasley just give she probably just gave them to Ron, gave them to the twins, and exactly. or to, to Percy, you know, to watch your little brother, watch your little yeah, brother, Bill and so Charlie, getting any of it. <laughs> And she's so excited when Jenny comes along, along right. to finally have a girl that you definitely have poured all of, you poured all your attention onto onto Jenny. Because he's only a year older, right? Yes, at this you point, know. you know, like yeah, he's he's she already put that baby down. Right. <laughs> yes, put that baby down. Like okay, y'all take care of this one. Exactly. <laughs> Mind your brother now. Mind exactly. Your brother. Because um. It's when um, we see in book six where they the twins stole the wand and basically, like he says in book two actually, they tried to increase the teddy bear and turn it into a spider. So they yeah. were watching him. <laughs> right, right. So you see, they have he's got he's got other kinds of trauma from being raised in that household, where, especially when he's been basically turned over to the twins. And Ginny, on the other hand, is having to do things by on her own because they're like. She, I was just like, why wouldn't you play with your sister? Like, she's clearly at least one person on the team. You know what I mean? Like, right. you need someone else. At least that's how I treated my sister. She's the eldest one of my cousins. Just like, you need other people on the team just to make it much more fun. Like, but... I think that she was a novelty for the twins, too. You know, but the same way that she was a novelty for their mother, she was a novelty for them. And so they, that, that's when she learned to fly, you know, to, 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 to be able to fly and to play Quidditch when they would practice. So she really had, you know, Ron just kind of got squeezed out of that kind of attention. Yep. So, you know, and it's obvious that when he, he decides that he talks his mother and went to, she gets in the room and he's going to he's been practicing, you know, stealthily and he's going to try out for the team. He's really desperate to show that he has something to bring to the table. And it's not enough for him just to be Harry's best friend, which is normal. You know, you get that. You Pick get up your that. book, as my grandmother would say. Pick up your book. That's what you should be doing around. Distinguish yourself well, there that, somehow. That wasn't going to happen, so. <laughs> <laughs> you don't even know where his books are. Exactly. That's why they got those fancy diaries from... <laughs> Hermione for Christmas. I love right. that, by the way. I, I love. I was like, I need that in my life. You know, I, know. I, I was just like them. I would get these things and never pay attention to them. And yeah. you know, when this year, you know, to bring another tennis reference, so I got all meticulous. I did all calendars for the tennis podcast. When the tournament, when we can possibly schedule in a um a podcast, so that we're not all over the place. And then tennis collapsed. There's no tennis. Okay, so my, so every week I get a reminder. This tournament is on. I got a reminder <laughs> last week. Wimbledon Middle Sunday. And guess what? <laughs> no, middle. It's middle. It's it's been all middle week. It's been middle Sunday every day since March. <laughs> so right. you know. Exactly. But Hermione would have. She would have been my girl because I I do love me some stationery and I love some. Oh, I know. My God, I, I wanted to, I wanted to go in that qu- that quill shop. She went into a quill shop once. I just like girl, exactly. can I go with you. <laughs> exactly. She, she knows but, what to do. So we're on, I mean, actually, we have got through a lot, as we often do. We've got through a lot of our um, agenda here. I mean, I don't think we need to to, to um, describe magical education, just as to say that 
Dolores, it's, it's usually the case when people, these authoritarian figures sort of rose and rides into town and trying to be like, you know, stamp things out, how they, they, they forget the underground movement, which we see with the Dumbledore army. But also, it's just like they have no subtle, no subtlety or imagination. Like, why would you go heavy-handed against the defense against them, the dark arts class when and leave charms alone and transfiguration and potion? Because you need all of those things to become an aura, right? So yeah. if you're trying to prevent the revolution from happening, girl, the only thing you should be asking these people is to do is the tickling charm and turn teapots into needles. That's it. That's the only thing you're supposed to be letting happen at this school. And it's funny that they didn't even change the, the OWL, right? They, they, they were basically trying to create a system, basically, where these Shirena are going to be, because you had to be a fully qualified wizard, right, in order to function in this world, that she's basically, well, we don't, we don't care about the education of children in the real world, but she was basically hamstringing a whole school, because we keep forgetting, though we keep seeing classes happening in Harry's year only, that that teacher, whoever is teaching, is teaching Everybody. All seven years. Yeah. And and the other thing that we re- we need to realize is that this happens that people feel like they just need that there is one problem that they need to stamp out. And when when it when actuality, you know, the whole system is what you need to be looking at. And but since they have decided that they're gonna focus their uh, they're gonna put their focus on Harry and everything around him. And since he seems to have been, you know, so successful at defense against the dark arts, they're just going to go zero in on that. Like that's going to stop whatever is going to disrupt um, Cornelius Fudge's um, reign as minister of magic. Because, you know, you're, it is what you said. It's a lack of imagination and it's a lack of any kind of forethought. And you're always thinking, I just need to to just get rid of this. I just need to figure out a counter for this. I just need to take Fauci and put him in the background and never (laughs) know what he has to work. Exactly. Wait, you notice how Deb's always getting in a little dig here? She's so good at it. It's the way humans who have a lack of imagination think. Because we we wouldn't ask to speak to the doctor and the scientist, right? No, we wouldn't. We just got. We're not going to even listen to him anymore. We're just going to put him on the side, and that and that will help us to because we are not managing this as a health crisis. We are managing it as a PR crisis. The same thing with this school. They're not managing the whole Voldemort is back issue as um, you know uh, uh, security or safety to the magical world issue. They're managing it as a as a PR issue. Mm-hmm. That's and even when, um, like it's pointed out, um, a whole prisoner, they, you know, this week, you don't have a prisoner of Azkaban, you have prisoners from Azkaban break out. The high right. security, not not the one, not the Hagrid type people. Right. These are the right. people who are the, who are the lifers, who yeah. are in maximum well, security. Is one of those people. Right. right. They all break out, right? Bellatrix and her husband, Dollarhub, Rookwood, Travers, um, Mulsibar, I think it was. It was Mulsibar free? They escaped. And. Not a single peep at the school. Nothing. Mm-mm. Dolores is just like, let me get rid of these newspaper. You know, like, I'm just like, like <laughs> you're not allowed to read right. this. You're I'm not allowed to do this. Fun. You can't play this. So you can't go uh, there. I think that's frustrating me. Is it? But maybe it is. It's it's just the lack of um, 
just opposition, not necessarily opposition, but just criticism or even asking the question. You right. know what I mean? Like because they, I mean, they, we're not even getting to the revolution part, but which is one of the issues we are finding in our real world here. It's just like so, y'all are not asking this question. Like like I was saying, you know, I've been frustrated at the fact that you know people are talking about like, oh my god, this thing is like airborne now. Just like y'all couldn't figure this out in February. Like right. how else are we thinking about the numbers? Like. Exactly. Why aren't, why aren't people being critical about this information? But this is know, not even my job. They, they did when remember now when when um Dolores wanted to stop the Gryffindors, she wanted to ban their whole team. She wanted to she at first she wanted to pull Harry and and she wanted to pull him off the team. And she then she wanted to not even let the Gryffindors re rejoin, re, you know, re get their team going again. She went to um, um, she went to McGonagall. McGonagall protested, and that's how she went back to Fudge and got the power to be the High Inquisitor. Mm -hmm. so they they were pushing. But McGonagall did push back. Said you can't do this. She must have said it. She private. went to Dumbledore. She went to Dumbledore. So she, she went, asked for the power so she that went, she can. Right. She was over. Ultimately, she was overruled, and she didn't like that. Between right. McGonagall and Dumbledore, she was overruled. So she's right. like, "Oh no, 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 no!" Decree number five million four hundred twenty-two thousand. So I have a new title, and that new title gives me the power to override whatever it is these teachers want to, um, you know, want, but, want but to this, do. This is so unlike regular school that I know. Because let me tell you something: most schools that I've been in. And a teacher like Dilores is out here acting out of pocket. Somebody gonna catch her outside. A parent is gonna catch her outside. Oh, if yeah. it ain't a parent, it's gonna be like she's staff meetings is gonna be a hot mess. <laughs> like they're gonna they're gonna snatch that bull out of her hair. Like it's just not so it's part of these things where I think where the back end is it's, it's it's just a very weird authoritarian world that the ministry's having. So yeah. maybe in a way. This is what J.K. Rowling is, is, is trying to point to. I don't know whether it's intentional or unintentional. That the same system that Voldemort is just being replaced, just replacing Fudge. That the yeah. same thing that Voldemort is attempting to do. And we're all screaming, this is crazy. Let's have a war. This has already been happening at the ministry. But no one's talking about a war at all. right? Well, Everyone is sitting in silence. With, the difference being that they figure Fudge is going to leave them alone. They Fudge never kill them. Or is gonna swoop down on them and kill somebody, or right. you know, whatever. He, they don't know, but they figure Fudge is doing. He can, as long as he's just leaving people alone, even though he's acting with you know high-handed. He's given he's given individuals this kind of power. As long as he's leaving us alone, we know we're good. Because and Fudge we is letting them and Fudge is put is exposing them to far more danger than everybody. Right? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And with and a lack of planning for you know to deal with what Voldemort is doing is going to make us even more endangered and more endangered. But they they're just you know talk about put your fingers in your ears and say la 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 la. That's the magical world. But showing it wrong and pulling his man and showed Dumbledore his ass. It's just like not only did he put his fingers in his ears, he was just like Dumbledore got the fuck out of here and I'm gonna. Yeah, right. I'm gonna show you my ass. Like this and, man, and, he and didn't even have a backup plan. That was yeah. crazy. That was crazy to me. Yeah. Not even a backup plan, boo. 
and you like, know just the possibility the, 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 fact, the fact that you would even threaten to put Vol- put Dumbledore in Azkaban when you can hardly now maybe you feel like you've got Dolores and you've got a handful of other people that be your backup but what you have never been able to do a GD thing without Dumbledore's help and now <laughs> you're going to send Dumbledore to Azkaban seriously I seriously. mean <laughs> that was a good scene too let me know that, that was just like I was just like, I remember reading that part and I was just like, Dumbledore, you bitches think they're going to catch you? And Dumbledore right. was just like, wait, 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 wait. Wait, I'm right. sorry. Y'all are confused. You think I'm going with y'all? Just like, wait, Dumbledore. <laughs> this is the most thing. I, just, Dumbledore. I said, I was, I was thinking the same thing. I was, because I'm just like, where are these people going? And before I even get to that bit, let me just give it up to my girl, Hermione Jean Granger. That sneak bit girl. Oh, you did get... she do it? She Ooh. did. I'm saying, like, she said, don't see, said she would do it, and she did do it. She said she would. She was just <laughs> like, you notice she came in really mousy. I think we should elect a leader, and I think we should sign our name on this piece of paper just yeah. to let you know that we're not going to tell anybody. Right. We're going to keep it a secret. And I was just like, because I was just like, this is a magical world, right? Surely. There are ways we can stop somebody from talking. And Hermione says, look, anybody who talks, they're going to make Eloise Midgen look like she just had a map. And okay. I'm just like... <clears throat> that was great. I love that. And their poor girl showed up. Oh, that girl had a hot... It's not even like it's a full head. She could put in a bang. Hermione you know put it across her face. Middle you of know her what face. I love best about this? is Because we, we tend to think that Hermione, you know is a nice girl. She's really not, right? I don't ever think that. I never thought I you you could have seen She portrays life. herself as a nice girl. She's nice. She's caring. You know, she cares. She worries about people's well being. She's loyal to her friends. She didn't tell nobody she was putting a jinx on that. She didn't even tell her bestest friend. I you know until because it they was would laugh. They would she talk was like don't mess with me. Mm-hmm. Round with a dog. But Hermione is all of those things. And she they knew. And Cho knew it was Hermione. Cho knew it was Hermione. <laughs> when you it's like it's like um you gonna you're gonna learn today. Yes, right. <laughs> you like, gonna learn oh, today. Learn Cho today. knew it was her. That was my favorite bit. Is that Cho mm-hmm. just like she should not do that. I was just like, well, she shouldn't have talked though. Yeah. The chase gets snitches. <laughs> and you know <laughs> that thing is written across her, her in the middle of her face. She can't cover that shit with a bang. She right. cannot cover that with a bang. Nope. She got it. That is written across her face. And you That's see, right. it's things like this, situations like that. That was what I missed from the, the book, is that with big things like this happening, I wanted to hear how this played out in school. Because during my in, in school, when I was going to school, they had to give classes detention take away recess and lunch. People just don't snitch. Even if it's something petty. Even if it's something like who threw a pencil at John across the day. Exactly. They won't snitch. They, we would, they would sit there. They've had, they've had class in detention for weeks until parents have to be like, my child needs to eat. Like, you got, they, they have to have lunch. Like, right, right. like they just, it is almost a code. And I cannot imagine how strong this code is at a boarding school. 
Right. And that's and why Hermione did what she did. It shows you the difference between somebody who got a plan. When Hermione, when the, from the time they marched down to the hogsheads, Hermione had a plan. She had a plan for how we were going, how she, well, even before that, because how she, she invited the people, how she got them down. We're not going to the three broomsticks. We're going to, we're going to this other place. She had a plan. This is how somebody plans. She's and in the book six, she got a better plan, too. She was just yeah. like Muffliato, okay? Happens, in case this happens, I got this written down. She had a plan for how she was going to have, how Dumbledore's army was supposed to go. She had a plan. <laughs> she was like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to administer this thing. Now you go teach, because that's your skill. You know all these things. You go do this, but I'm going to have this thing so tight that we, you know, <laughs> she did that. She said, nobody going to fuck our shit up. Right. And we're going to know. Who did Not this? today. We're going right. to know exactly who this is. That's what I love about her mind. It's just like, we ain't just going to know. We just ain't going to know that. It ain't going to be like a somewhat, because, you know, it's the same thing, because she knew from the Order of the Phoenix. Someone was passing information, but how are we going to know? So she got that cover. Right. She did the protein charm to get this thing about, oh, we'll be able to communicate in using coins. And then yep. she's just like, oh, you people got loose lips and y'all be sinking ships. We got that covered now. We know exactly why. Because she can't put one of the big, complex, unbreakable, well, whatever. That is too obvious. What she needs is a secret, jinx, and as my mother say, you can only keep a secret if you tell no one. Okay. And the other person is dead. And she told no one. And then we found out exactly who it was. Yeah. Who was doing Poor Miss Marietta Edgecombe. Poor Marietta. That's not going to be. And, and no one, and, and we don't know if that ever come off, right? We don't know if that ever come off. <laughs> Everybody's going to know. Everybody's going to know. So Marietta's running around the school like a ninja. Salt <laughs> covered only a bang, covering the forehead, only her eyes are visible. She's running around. Realsy like, like this way too much. I mean, no, because <laughs> no. I was just like, I love it. Because I was just like, did this girl do what I think she did? Because when I read it the first time, I was just like, Hermione is being too nice here. She's just like, oh, don't worry. She's like, Hermione, people will talk. She's like, no, we'll figure that out. And you know, they, you know, there are times when Harry and Ron looks at Hermione and just like, I don't know who this bitch is. I don't know I don't who know. this girl is. <laughs> like, this like was one of those times. Like, it was like, I uh-uh. need... <laughs> they're so thinking, I'm so glad she's on my side. Outside. Exactly, she's my exactly. side. Exactly. You know, and this whole edge come, and it's just like, <clears throat> and it's just, just that whole scene where, <laughs> um, what's her name? Dolores is trying to choke Marietta. Marietta's like, girl, no. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I it, it wasn't until afterwards I read it like in the book a second. I just like, oh shoot, Kingsley. Had put a uh, imperious charm on her. He put the imperious curse on her, yeah. and I was just like, and McGonagall just like, girl. Oh my gosh, I did not catch that. I really yeah, thought that was did. an extension of Hermione's jinx. That's how I have always no, taken no. that. And, um, she um because Harry noticed her eyes as being all saying, 
And how yeah, you, no, like, now that you say it, it all adds up. But every single time I have read this book, I thought, damn, Hermione is good. Not only did she jack her face all up, she made it so that they can't even talk about it. Well, the other thing is just that I thought initially, I always thought that when I read it, I was just like, her face is jacked up. She don't even know it's going to any worse. So she's trying to be like, I, I just said a little bit. I just said where the place is. And my face got messed up. God forbid. If I say who is in this meeting. Mm-hmm. My whole body is going to turn into sprouter ground. Like I just thought that was what was happening. But then from Dolores trying to choke us to death. Um, is this the first time is this the first time that we see her bring out um, Umbridge the Veritaserum no 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 get another piece of yeah if we've seen if we've we've seen Veritaserum before no this is the first time we see Umbridge try to use it on a student just to give us another piece of how freaking evil oh she didn't didn't put Veritaserum on um, Marietta but it's it's this when they get busted, isn't it? No, 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 no. She invites Harry over for the drinks to tax with because she realized he was using the fire. She wants oh, to know with Dumbledore. It's just when Dumbledore disappears from that okay. point. Okay, I could. Yeah, that happened after the fact. But Too it was just people. like, uh, McGonagall is just like, I don't know if Marietta is using another sign language that we don't know. But girl, no means no. She's shaking her head, girl. <laughs> like, right, yeah, that's right. crazy. Marietta's is like, I don't want any more of this whatever hot mess. And poor Mary have to go back to that classroom to Ravenclaw. Ooh. And they'll be like, who? And Michael Connor going to be like, oh, it's you who snitched on us, girl. Like, that is, that is a hot mess. <laughs> I just love that whole scene. And of course, Dumbledore's disappearance. I mean, I want a, I want a phoenix. I want a phoenix. That is one of the things I really oh, want from Fox. Fox is doing all kind of creature, though. And Frost I, is like going around, he's giving signals. I mean, he's, I mean, that whole scene when Ron's father gets attacked. The feather. But I'm yes. just like, Fox is just badass. Yeah. Is the yep. shit. Like, he and Dumbledore are the perfect pair. They really are. They really are. And which, is, which is unusual. This is the only thing we see um, where there's, um, um, she's playing on the whole idea of like, a wizard and a familiar, right? That the other yeah. times pets are just pets. You know what I mean? They don't have any particularly special magic properties. But Fox is the only magical creature that is linked to a witch or a wizard mm-hmm. in yes. this whole series, which is rather interesting. But and he's an unusual one too. Yeah, but, and I think it's. I think it's. Um, you know, it's almost like Fox and Dumbledore have another type of connection, and not just not just the familiar, but even a, a deeper connection to that. And almost like, you know, in the magic, in a whole different book series, like in um, um, The Golden Compass, The Demon, where mm-hmm. it's really kind of a piece of you, not just the connection, but you, or you're a piece of each other. So I think that, you know, they have a really unique connection, um, Dumbledore and Fox. In, um... Or else. In, um, we don't a, we don't know of anybody else that has a phoenix though, right? So we don't yeah. know if this no, is, phoenix special... is the only thing is the only one that we. So seen. we don't know if like if someone else were to have a phoenix, would they have that kind of connection? You know, with their phoenix, we don't really know because 
this is the only one that we ever meet. Well, Dumbledore says that a phoenix is a very special creature. Right. right. We learn about the powers of the phoenix, but this no, special connection. No, he said connection... that they're, they're, them being very loyal. So I, I would assume if other people have phoenix, um, that I, I imagine that they're rare because, I mean, like if the, the phoenix gave two feathers for uh, um, for for once, right? They typically imagine that it would give, I mean, I don't know how that would be because, I mean, Falk been giving away feather um, in this well, book. Dumbledore right? said so, that he was pissed. <laughs> The that? bird was not happy. He says that Fox was not happy when he plucked them feathers. Oh, I don't remember that part. But um, it's just one of those things where I think I, I like we don't see a lot of similar things. You know what I mean? Like we 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 only meet we we know that there was a whole herd of um hippogriffs, but we only end up dealing with one. Right. Right. We don't know what happened to the others. Um. Yeah. And, you know, as much as, um, what's his name, Hagrid has a care of magical creatures, not only are his things dangerous, he basically don't really, the things that he keep alive seem to be rather independent beings. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, he's like, not really keeping anything alive, is he? <laughs> he, he, he can keep it very, very dangerous. <laughs> he keep themselves alive. alive. Right. He can't you know, even control the amount of lettuce that one things get. <laughs> right. <laughs> I have to say I do love Hagrid. I really do. He's such a goof. I, 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 you know, Hagrid, that, I thought that story went on too long. But it I did. It was, you know, we did get to di- see a different side of him. And the whole idea, especially the journey with Madame Maxine. Um, and what they... That I wanted to see. That I was definitely looking forward to. You know, but I think, um, you know, I think they played that whole scene, went on too long. But when he... When it, he telling the story of what they came across and how they dealt with the giants. And, and then the giants had their own fight and they killed off, you know, ripped off, ripped off somebody's head. Yeah. I went on a bit long, but it was, in, it was to be, to see him in another place. And you know what? <clears throat> I, interesting. I actually didn't mind how long that part went on when he's telling the story of the travel. I didn't like how long, it goes on to us actually meeting the brother, the half brother. What's his name? Gorp. <laughs> that that seemed like, oh, like something's gotta, you know, because there were just so many hints. Hagrid comes back and he's he's beat up, and um, kind of lets us know that that wasn't necessarily due to the travel. And then Forenzi tells us or tells the kids, tell Hagrid that what he's doing in the forest, it's not working. And we get all of these hints and these hints, but they're not really big enough to make you super curious about it. It's almost like eh, Hagrid's in the forest again, doing something stupid, you know, or it just, it just doesn't seem like it matters. And of course, in the end, it, is beneficial but it was just another piece that could have been way less than it than it was i think she was trying to stress the point about that how that we would always assume i think one of the things she's trying to capture in her world building is things that we assume is very part and part of the magical world that this was almost like 
this was an she's almost saying that this was the modern magical world right because in in our idea of the magical world dragons and giants and fairies are running around you know what i mean they're part and parcel of the the the, the environment when you consider um the other one of the biggest novels or uh, series the lord of the rings wizards and humans and dwarves and elves and all those things all live amongst each other and part of that world there is no surprise and the 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 hobbits they're no surprise with these things but she's trying to emphasize that in the magical world the giants have been driven off to the mountains still have the dragon and hagrid not only has these things hagrid has brought them to school <laughs> to the place where the most precious magical creatures beings are in one you know what i mean and you have um the centaurs I mean, usually we, we treat mermaids as, you know, like these beautiful creatures. She has them as ugly, not necessarily worrisome, but they're, they're, they're very tame. There are no magical elements within these beings. She has them living at the bottom of a lake. Um, the centaurs are restricted to one forest. You know, um, Dolores is, there's a misunderstanding of what's actually happening, but you get the sense that the ground surrounding Hogwarts is large magical expansive areas one of the largest like, magical expansive areas i know for the, this herd to live amongst each other and not necessarily want to kill each other because the monk the, the, the giants as we see are driven to the small confined areas in the mountains deep in the mountains and they're killing each other because they don't have enough space so right. i think she's trying to show that the magical world that some of these things are you know like are like off and like we, 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 we've progressed past these kind of things these creatures are I don't want to see these these beings you know see the look how she treats trolls she treats trolls as dumb being you know they, they're just being used as a plot device you know what I mean oh let's have a troll to like you know scare people but you know no one's meeting a troll on a bridge a regular wizard wouldn't necessarily meet a troll on a regular you know what I'm saying like they're like our boogeyman, basically. Oh, a troll is going to come for you. A banshee is going to come for you. That kind of thing. So it's rather... Um, I just thought those were sort of interesting thing that she And she makes all of these giants to be really dumb. When Hagrid is clearly not stupid. Hagrid's education got, got um, stunted. And also the magical world didn't have anything to do with Hagrid when Hagrid just loved creatures. Like, you know what I mean? Like, they, yeah. there was nothing for the magical world to take this person. Because... Y'all clearly have tons of these magical creatures that need care, right? The only care the Ministry of Magic seems to have for animals is an execution department. That's it. You know what I mean? When they when they get out of hand, let's find someone to cut off their heads. And it's just like, you people didn't use Hagrid. You couldn't help Hagrid because you expelled him out of the school and you know he didn't do this. You know Hagrid didn't kill this girl. And, you know, I mean, like, there is Moaning Myrtle. She could have told you it wasn't Hagrid. She's right in the bathroom. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so it was just, it, it just sort of, I don't know what she's, I think this is Rowling's way of trying to like, this is part of our world building, which I think uh, these are just deliberate choices she sort of made. Not necessarily, because she cast giants as being evil eventually anyway. They're generally evil because um, that's who Voldemort had to go to. For grand effect and i was like okay you don't need a giant to do that you literally have a a sign in the sky right you know what i mean like 
what's going to be much more frightening? A giant running around the place or uh, the sign that you kill somebody in the family? Same thing. So, yeah. But I, um, think, but I huh? think it also, you know, once again, um, it feeds into the narrative of Dumbledore as the one safe place for creature, people, creatures, whoever, who are marginalized. Yep. And so the, the fact that he made a place for Hagrid, um, the fact that he made a place, you know, when he goes um, and he when, he, when after she, he doesn't get rid of Trelawney, he, he allows Trelawney to remain at the school after Dolores has um, fired her as a teacher. Um, and he goes and gets a centaur to be the to be the um, you know the divination teacher. So you this plays into the narrative of Dumbledore as the champion of the marginalized. The fact that he is he's paying the house the house elves and giving them a place. Um, so all of these kind of feed into that narrative. Well, yeah, and I, I think this is the 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 part that goes when I'm saying you're just like Voldemort is just replacing. Are extenuating a system and an environment that's already there, right? Yeah. We see it in yeah. our own because you people already hate these people. You people have already been marginalizing these people. To me, it's just like Dumbledore is the champion of the giants. Dumbledore is the champion. It's like, why is this about Dumbledore? Do you understand what I'm saying? And it, it gets us to this is this is feelings I felt like more wizards should have been incorporating into their lives because I mean, y'all need these people. And right. it gets us to the, to the whole order of the Phoenix because the Ministry of Magic is basically useless. You literally have an aura department. We've been there several times. You have an aura, and they're ineffective against dealing with, with, with Voldemort. That it is the order of the Phoenix that has to be created in mm-hmm. order to deal with this problem. Like the quintessential problem, the only real problem of the magical community, the magical world does not have a contingency plan. Never had one, too. Well, and clearly, I mean, honestly, it makes for a good story. But how messy is it that you have people constantly breaking into the place that is supposed to be the uh, <laughs> the law? This is where you make the laws. This is where you regulate all of the wizarding world and you've got people breaking in it left and right. Well, Deb and I, Deb and I discussed it somewhere. I, I think, I think you were in the discussion where it's just like, Deb and I don't think they broke in. Deb, Deb and I think that they were let in. Deb says, you know, like Malfoy's paying fudge money. So clearly they're getting in. No, I'm talking about the order. The order's breaking oh, in. Well, most of them work there anyway, so it's easy enough to get in there. Yeah, maybe, but we know damn well that ain't nobody supposed to be there at, you know, midnight or whatever. In well, that's my guarding. problem. That nobody there at midnight. That is part of my problem. It's just like... Well, but it, it, you know, clearly they're not supposed to be. It, might, it is an issue that security maybe is not on duty, but... I mean, that is the way that they have it set up. And you got all these people just kind of slipping in and slipping out. That shouldn't happen. But I think what, you know, if you think about what the, what they had there, um, the thing that Voldemort wanted, which, you know, they wanted the prophecy and the, and that whole hall of um, mysteries, um, you know, you would think you would have guards on that. Right. I think you would have you would have guards on that. And since they didn't, 
they really didn't have any guards on it. But Arthur was there. I mean, you know, Arthur did work there. And they said if after they found him, they came up with a story as to why he was there. So even though they're technically they're not supposed to be there, you know, they were able to kind of cover for that particular time that he was there. And Sturgis, on the other hand, his, his poor self went to Azkaban. You but know, when he, but he got caught there. because I, I think he, he attempted to touch. The problem for him is that he touched, he was fighting the Imperius curse and he touched the prophecy. So that right. was really the problem. Was I think if he if he didn't attempt to touch the prophecy, because whatever protection they have on it, and, and that's what I love, right? The protection, because people usually walk into the place and pick up a prophecy. Is that how it works? No, like, but it doesn't. You couldn't. Remember, that's why they needed Right, but that's what I'm saying. It. Like, so the, the, the protection only seemed to exist if your name isn't on it, right? <laughs> like, that seemed to be the only issue, right? That, because there was no protection for just, like, you needed permission to go into this room and get the prophecy, right? The only protection is just that, you couldn't get my prophecy. Right. But, that, you that know, with, but one of the things that we know is that nobody has been in, because remember they talked about how dusty it was? I mean, right. nobody has, has dealt with this in a very long time. Uh, probably because there are, no, there are not many stairs running around. Right. Um, you know, Trelawney is a right old fraud. They love to tell us. <laughs> <laughs> right, but she did get two she had two, two, two prophecies right. <laughs> oh, Lord. But according to, according to Dumbledore, it's, it's like, it, it ain't really her, but, you know. Right. She, uh, it's like a broke clock is right twice a day. Say twice a day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's Trelawney. <laughs> and she up in there drinking that Sherry Strong. She is holding out those bottles. I know I, I know I've seen anything. We've got oh. Drunk Wiki. Drunk Trelawney. I know. Um, all right? the kids show up to Grimwald Place after Arthur's hurt. Sirius says, "Let's have a drink." Like, <laughs> and remember, Harry said he caught a whiff of smell of stale drink when they got there. It said it sort of smelled like um Mundungus. But Sirius immediately went and and accioed um butterbeers. Don't butter be trying to say Sirius. He, he didn't. Stuff. He wasn't he trying to give them um liquor. Yeah. Um, he gave age-appropriate stuff. But but Ron, on the other hand, was just like, you think they will... I'm sure they will send us fire whiskey in here. <laughs> right? And she's like, you are prefect! But, you know, it's, it's so interesting because that brings us to that whole issue about Sirius. And Sirius, um, you know, was, as we talked about in the beginning of the book, it, one of the things that always hurts about this book is it looked like Harry was going to finally have a family somebody of his own, not he wouldn't be hanging on to the Weasleys. He would finally have a family, someone who had the, you know, who, who his parents had actually picked out for him to be his family if anything happened to them. And, you know, of course, that he only has them for such a short time. But I maintain that Sirius had a lot of issues. And, you know, of course, he's one of my favorite characters in the book, in the series. But he had so many issues, some of which he alludes to, you know, with with his own family. Yeah. Um, just never felt that he was a part of that family. And he just didn't go along with that pure blood stuff that his family was into. Um, and then he, he latches on to James. He his friend is killed. He's and he's kind of locked at the age 
where he was when that all went down. Mm-hmm. And so, of course, you know, he even tells Harry, your dad would have thought it was a bit of a lark. You know, your dad would have thought this was a fun thing to do. And he he just really and, and Mrs. Weasley peeps him right away and says, you, you're confusing this boy with his father, you know, because he's ready. Harry thinks, oh, I'm going to have an uncle. Sirius is like, I'm going to have a buddy. I'm going yeah. to have a road partner. I'm going to have somebody you know, that we can get into scrapes with. He really has not really, you know, talk about your trauma. He is really still living out his own um, young, young manhood, which you kind of get the impression wasn't all that mature to begin with. James matured because he had a wife and child. But you don't get the sense that Sirius had ever really grown up. You see, I think you're being a tiny bit harsh. And that's coming from me, who <laughs> believe Dolores has been sexually this assaulted. Good. I'm, I'm, I'm sitting here with bated breath. <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, in, in in the sense that I do think you are right, but you understand, like, if I if we if I understand the timeline correctly, he's been in this horrible house. I mean, that house, even when it's clean, it's a debt trap. It's horrible. Right. That woman has, all the cur- has so many curses on it. You know, the house has so many curses on it. You know what I mean? You have this younger brother who is just completely, you know, messed. And you're hearing this pure blood mess and madness. And then you go to school. I mean, actually, we find out later on that he had already rejected that behavior before yeah. he even got to school. He yeah. rejected that. And he finds another rich kid like himself, you know, I mean, who is, you know, well-to-do. And, you know, they get along similarly well. And then there's Lupin, right? And, I mean, one of the things, I felt like Harry just overlooked Lupin. And Lupin could have been a father figure, someone to talk to. But they always play Lupin like, well, Lupin couldn't stop them, whatever the case I mean. But Lupin has a Lupin, like I said, Lupin saved Harry's life. <laughs> like yeah, he taught yeah. you how to do the paternus charm. Like it's Lupin. So Lupin had nothing but, you know. And I mean, the other thing too, we know that Lupin isn't necessarily a figure who thought that he could even have children because of his condition. So right. he too needed. Um, Harry was a perfect, you know, like a match in terms of, you know, he he too is a godfather. And like I said, I don't I don't know why Harry just stuck with this. Well, Sirius is my godfather, so therefore I must turn all my attention to him. Maybe as you point out, you know, the parents picked him. But I mean, like I to me, when people say godparents, I think you know you'd have to pick one person and put one name on the paper. But surely there are other people who you consider just as godparents, just the same. But I think for me that besides, so this happened to go to school, you know, like this is his family. It's very clear that, you know, I don't think he ever really liked Peter, but Peter was James' friend. And you know, you know how that is, right? Sometimes I gotta be friends with somebody because it's your best friend's friend. Just gotta roll with the punches. But, you know, he's definitely, he and Lupin get along very, very well because he goes to Lupin's house in book four. Right, like, and he doesn't go to Grimmauld Place immediately. He goes to Lupin's house, so he and Lupin get along, and this happens, you know. And as soon as they leave in school, Voldemort is building up his power, and just as they're leaving school, you know, what I mean, and they're going into the world and they're living adults, because he got his own place. He was living on his own. Voldemort is in full swing, and now they have to join a by a, a large organization, which, because the Ministry of Magic, again, isn't right. doing anything about Voldemort. 
and then his friends they go into hiding because they're pregnant and they can no longer be auras they were all on the team you know with neville's parents frank and i forget what the mother did they ever mention the mother's name um neville's mother's name and that's happening and as soon as then they're killed he's grappling with that reality knows that another friend killed their friend he's arrested in jail for 13 years no trial no explanation no one dumbledore don't even go for him dumbledore don't doesn't even come to his rescue so i wouldn't say necessarily arrested development as supposed to say that this man is just completely locked up in a trauma because we know um if the magical world free world doesn't have any magical psychiatry psychological evaluation we know azkaban right right. azkaban is the antithesis of this right azkaban is literally putting you in mental torture and he's living with your with worst memories of basically making the decision to pass this information on to Peter Pettigrew. And, and, and up until recently, he didn't even know Peter survived. You know what I mean? Yeah. So he's going through a, a mental breakdown. And he I think- He had a lot of reason to be arrested, development. He had a lot of reason to be. But I, I, I think, you know, that I, I don't necessarily think, you know, there's some part, I, I, to me, I think she's been heavy handed in that sort of situation because I don't think in a situation like this, particularly in the climate that they're in, perhaps if it was all peacetime, if a murderous Voldemort, the man who killed his parents, who killed Harry's parents, wasn't after Harry, I would have imagined Sirius far more serious. The Sirius that I that I held on to was the Sirius in book four, right? The Sirius mm-hmm. who was in Dumbledore's office was just like, who was far more concerned about Harry's well-being. Like, no Dumbledore, surely he can't tell you what happened. He needs some rest. Like, he can't tell you what's going on in this graveyard, whatever. And and that's true. That's horrific. You just literally lived this experience 20 minutes ago. And we're going to have this. You're going to re- retell this whole experience. Harry. And the crazy thing is, Harry doesn't even understand what he was saying. You know what I mean? Like, right. the gravity of this situation. So, to me, I, I think, you know, that I think is a, is a flaw by the writer in making... Um, Sirius seems so fully cavalier because I, I think that he wouldn't necessarily, to me, I thought he would have been far more protected and sheltered, sheltering Harry. Like, Harry, you see, your parents were this kind of cavalier and they died because they were some of the most brilliant people that he knew and the world had known. You know what I mean? So Harry needs to sort of be protected. But maybe this might be part of the situation where Dumbledore didn't even share with, 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 with Sirius exactly why Harry had to be protected, right? Or what right. the true gravity of the situation. Another one of those suppressing of information. Right. But I'm sorry? I don't think he I don't think Sirius knew what because remember at this point Dumbledore has this theory, but he doesn't have all of the he hasn't really I think it's book six where he has really definitely figures it has figured it out. Well, he, he has the proof. Here. He has a certain proof to to confirm right. what because he has to make the decision as to which way to go, right? Because right. we find out in book seven, he has this theory of whether it's Hallows or Horcruxes, which right. becomes the dilemma. But right. I mean, to me, I, I just think that you know that for me, I think Rowling give does series a little bit injustice because I mean. They wanted to protect Harry. Lupin is showing that same level of shit, care and concern. I mean, I cannot, I, I am still grappling with that whole scene when Sirius does die. 
yeah, and yeah. Lupin is there again. Lupin has lost his another best friend. Right. Lupin keeps, and I mean, Lupin is the one. Lupin doesn't have really that much family. His father, you know what I mean. That situation. Mm-hmm. I mean, these people don't even have grandparents, which is crazy. But this world doesn't seem to have grandparents. You know, I mean, the grandparents are just um, character plot points with with, with Neville. And I, I, I really want to even get into Neville's grandmother because she is she is putting the trauma onto that poor child. No, we're going to talk about Neville's grandmother Neville. a lot next um, week. But yeah. I want to add something to what you were saying about Sirius because I think that I think that Sirius absolutely has Harry's best interest at heart. I think he always has Harry's best interest at heart. However, I think Sirius is just first of all, an emotional mess, but he's reckless. And it sounds like this is who he's always been. So whereas we think you're an adult now, you should be doing better. This is truly who he is. Like he should have never, in all reality, he should have never told the kids, oh, I think this is a great idea that you're forming the DA, right? He right. should have never been supportive of that. I thought this that is, was... this is this is truly who he is. But the whole reason that he was in the fire to begin with and looking for Harry is because he does have his best interests at heart. He does these things thinking like, I need to be here for you and I need to be supportive of you, you know, when he gives him the lock that we all are the key in the mirror that we all forget about the knife and the point. mirror. Um, yeah. The knife Harry forgets. Mirror. I didn't forget that. I was just like, well, fucking did, little boy. You know, but you know, he does all of these things to be supportive and to be a good godfather, so to speak, and to be a good adult figure in his life. But his own reckless personality shines through over and over and over again i really i, I don't, don't think i just don't think he would be a reckless person like you, you, but you he not is lose that much though this is my problem this is i, I think it's a character error in development that she is the, the writer is making because you i mean you do not lose that much Sirius has nothing his whole family is wiped out the one that he can acknowledge the cousins around the same as the same family he rejected whatever the case may be he was in prison for 13 years if he were reckless he would have gone and sought a fight with Voldemort but he's not that reckless this is the thing that I think is kind of crazy because that is his true enemy right he would have gone after Peter Pettigrew because he said he, he waited his time and said I am a going to commit the murder that I was in trouble that I got in trouble for but he I didn't know he did not know no, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Back up. We know that the reason that he didn't get overtaken by Dementors early in that part of that 13 years, he said because he knew he was always innocent. Right. And that's what kept him going. He did not know that Peter Pettigrew was still alive until about a year before, remember, he says. But he sat he in got, that prison for 13 years. Hold on, hold on, Reels. He, yes, he sat there for 13 years, but he says the only thing that kept him going was knowing he was innocent. And then when Fudge gave him the newspaper and he saw the rat, Pettigrew, he knew then that he was still alive. And that's what made him get out. That's what made him figure out a way to get out so that he could get his revenge. 
So I don't think that, I don't think it matters so much, you know, to say, I I don't think it's true. I don't want to say it doesn't matter, but I don't think it's true to say if he were reckless, he would have went after Voldemort. I don't mean that he's reckless in everything that he does, but what we know of him in the relationships that he had when he was younger, it was he and James that were always doing the stupid, reckless kid shit when Lupin was the one to kind of bring them back and pull them in line. So therefore, when he acts the way that he does with Harry, it is in line with his personality of what we know. That's what I'm saying. I mean, I don't know. I, again, I just think that you know that it's it's too. She's being too heavy-handed with serious here because I and I think. But granted that what you are both saying, there is evidence to support that bit from what she has written. But for me, what I'm simply saying is that the natural development for a serious type character. When this man sat in jail for 13 years for a crime he didn't commit, and clearly he was capable of of escaping, and he chose not to. He was paying, she sat there paying penance for the, thing, the fact that he thought that he thinks that he got his best friends killed, right? And their son thing. And he thought he needs to be away from Harry. He decides that he is going to be cleared and exonerated. And he, I just don't think that his reaction would be to treat Harry like he got his best friend back. I feel like I you're making be, this up. No, I'm not making this up. I'm just simply saying I just don't think that this is the way in which the character that a character would have behaved under these kind so of circumstances. So you are making it up. <laughs> well, I, I do, given what we have and given what we know, what we've known about how Sirius has responded, I do think that there are triggers that make him more or less reckless. Um, I think when he when when he came back and when Harry came back at the end of book four, he definitely fell into his um, you know a fathering role. He was concerned about Harry. He he wanted Harry to get some rest. He was, you know, he definitely was that caring, that father type role. And when he comes back and he is able to give Grimaud place to for the order to use, I mean, he's doing, you know, um, responsible things as being part of the order. But when he is pushed or when he feels frustrated, he does do things like, you know, go along as padfoot. When they, um, you know, when he really shouldn't, when he's been told to stay at the house, um, making yeah, yeah. even when he's going into the um, the the um, the fire when they know that the fire is being watched. I mean, he does some things that, but, but when he's he responding that he does, but, and he just kind of does things that are kind of will put him in more harm's way. But I, but I think, but for me, those things is just he responding to the because. Harry needs someone to talk to, right? And it's very clear that right. there are things that he feels, that Harry feels, and Sirius is aware of this, that Harry is only going to tell Sirius this. He doesn't even tell his best friends. He, he feels like Dumbledore was just there to send a letter to. He doesn't do that. Lupin right. is there all the time, and he doesn't do that. So I think my thinking is that Sirius is responding to that, by that they're teenagers, they forget that I am there. Right, that Harry chooses not to talk to Sirius, you know, like oh, whatever this thing is going to be reckless, so I'm not even gonna look at it and consider it, right? Because I mean, it's a, like whatever it is, you know what I mean? Like that would have been. Right. What he knows is Sirius has not been 
um, the ministry does not consider Sirius exonerated. So he figures if Sirius comes out of hiding to respond to him, then he's going to put Sirius at risk. I think what you're saying, again, with the evidence in the book, it makes yeah. sense, right? That watches what, but, but for all me, we have reels. That's, that's I know it. that's all that we have. But <laughs> I just, in my opinion, I just say that she was she rolling is flawed in this characterization. That oh. they, to me, it doesn't it doesn't make logical sense for them for this to be his behavior, because as Harry points out, Sirius is risking this all for him because Sirius is responding to something that no one else is doing in this book. For all the care that Molly is the hugs and the whatever the case may be, that Harry needs is some whatever the case may be. No one is willing to talk to Harry like he has been through any of this trauma. No one but Sirius. Right. Sirius seems to be the only one who, who understands each time the trauma that Harry is going through. I mean, Hermione does, but he isn't willing to talk to Hermione. Right. But he's but willing to talk to Sirius. And to me, it just seemed like I don't necessarily think that is a risky behavior. And what else is Sirius supposed to do in a situation where Harry believes he's in a place being tortured by whatever? Is he supposed to sit there? And it's Voldemort. Like, it, it, Voldemort is luring them here. There is no bigger threat than Voldemort. So he has to go. This isn't a situation where Harry wanders outside of school to go down the road looking for him. But it is a situation where Harry thought that he knew best and he was going to do exactly what he was told not to do. And it ends up getting Sirius killed, period. Oh, oh no. There's I'm not, no. I'm not, there's talking like, about, I'm not talking about Harry's part in this bit. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about Sirius here. That to me, Sirius left because what is the point of staying in hiding? When the reason, one of the reasons you're hiding is Voldemort's action is literally on the tail of your godson. But you cannot allow him to be where you sat idly by and let someone else do it and your friends die. You understand what I'm saying? So yeah. to me, that wasn't reckless per se. That just seemed to be the only response for him to do. You know what I mean? I don't like well, that. I, mean, I don't. Do I mean, we could we could go back and forth about it all right. day. But ultimately. You're you're looking at it from the perspective of what makes most sense outside of what information we're actually given. Yes, but I, and I, and I'm willing to be uh, cocky or arrogant to say that J.K. Rowling gets many things in this book wrong, and this is just one of those things. That's all I'm saying. That's it. But I I, I agree that. What's that? I said, all right, then. <laughs> but I do agree that, you know, I, I do agree that what you and Deb are saying, you know what I mean? Sirius is definitely going through a lot of trauma. So it's looping, though that is overlooked many times. And I think we can segue into before we get to the big to-do at the Ministry of Magic. I told you, you might have to do book three podcast, but, you know. Um, it's just the trauma that a lot of people is dealing a lot of the trauma that a lot of people are dealing with within this book. And again, no one is addressing any of these things. We're just plumbing on for some bigger plan. And the problem is that these traumas are part of the reasons why you have this conflict. You know what I mean? Is that right. these unaddressed, these un, these, these issues that have never been addressed in the past is what is continuing to fester up in our community today, over and over again. Well, I, I think we can agree to that. I think we can agree there. I think we can definitely agree that the lack of address by not addressing what all of these people have been through um, is is what is keeping them the keeping them from having a reasonable response and from keeping them from being successful 
until, you know, until so much later at, at doing what they need to do. Um, Janina is giving us the, 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 um, the high sign. The high, that in the high, like we gotta stop. But I just want us to, if we're gonna, I just want to get on this last point with the trauma. And then, like I predicted, book three, we're gonna get into the Ministry of Magic and all of that trauma yeah. that fall, we that big reveal that. We, that we that. get. You know, we can get into Battle of Magic next week, which is really exciting. Well, I really want to talk about the prophecy and the prophecy as well. You know, yeah. thank you, Deb. You know, apparently I'm losing my memory. But uh, I just want to get into that scene when we're at St. Mungo's where we meet Neville and Neville's yeah. grandmother. So, I mean, Neville has always, from this point on, from I think book four, but this book, Neville has broken my heart the yep. most. Yep. I think when I see Neville in book seven, tears came out of my eyes. because What? Yes. Because, Divorce? Because you see that the problem is that Neville fake tears you know what i mean you know like parent tears but you know I, I think you know that you know neville this this whole responsibility could have been trusted upon neville just the same as, yeah, as that's, why, that's why i want to hold that off talking about the prophecy yeah but well, i mean sort of no, but we're not going to talk about i just want to talk about this section here with what i think neville's grandmother is doing to neville or has done to neville a different form of abuse if in some respect is that this woman gave Neville his father's wand. First of all, that's not going to work for him properly. We know this, right? right. This is why Neville shit at magic, right? That right. the only time Neville has shown any level of magic from now on is when he gets his own wand in book six, right? Yep. So for five years, you've literally tied this boy's hands behind his back. Like, literally, that's what I you would think, do. I think that's a metaphor, Reels. And, and for me, it's just the... You could see, I got the sense that this woman didn't even care anything about it was only her son. Her son, you, you know those mother-in-law, right? My mm -hmm. son is a pride and joy. That no one is good enough for my son. And clearly the wife was um, just as um, smart as a father. Yep. And they're both facing this situation. It must be a big come down for her. And she's left with a boy to take care of, which I don't know if she had any interest of taking care of, whatever. But he doesn't clearly never, never showed any of the prodigious talent that her son showed. And she just constantly ringing in his face. You're not like your father. Oh, my God. Oh, my. Like, could you believe hearing this shit? And meanwhile, Neville doesn't have his parents. That he doesn't have anyone who loves him for him. And constantly she's treating whatever interaction or touching moment that the parents showed to him as just trash. Just put this story away, Neville. It's trash. But you know, and and to me, Neville is dealing with this silent trauma. Mm -hmm. And none of these children who see this, none of them say, Neville, how are you doing? Boo. How are you doing? And because Neville is the first one who faced um Neville tried to stand up to his friend, and Neville paid the price for that in book one, right? He's yep. the one who gets yep. jinxed, right? And yep. he's constantly the butt of every joke. I mean, Snape is in his ass. Like yep. every day, you know what I mean? Just going through this other. Like, this is the stuff of serial killers. This is where we, <laughs> in the real world, never long bottom would have been a serial killer. <laughs> like he would be, and it's it just one of those things where, I guess you know these never get resolved. Like we just never deal with it. You know what I mean? But I felt that for him that these parents are trapped within his mind, and then Bellatrix Lestrange come back again, just like oh. <laughs> 
I know you. Oh, boy. Yeah, and the character of Neville as a whole is tragic. His grandmother is an evil, nasty person who always wants him to be something that he's not. He's afraid of her. He is as afraid of her as he is of Snape. And I love, 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 is it this book or the next book when McGonagall is actually the one who speaks up for him in, um, when she tells Neville, it's, it's the next book when, um, they're, they're choosing their classes after they've taken their OWLs and McGonagall says, why do you even want to continue transfiguration? I never got the impression that you enjoyed it. And he says, well, my grand wants me to. And she says, I think it's time for your grandmother to start appreciating her grandson for or grandson that she has instead of the one that she wishes she has. And you can you you know that in that moment, Neville's so grateful and because, he has a proper wand now. <laughs> and he does have a proper wand, but it's like this is the first time in the series, in the entire series, right. that he feels like somebody gets it. I, I think no we one really has vocalized should, it. I think we really should um, start the next podcast with really taking a deep dive into Neville. Yeah. And because, you know, this is because we know from the prophet, we know now um, that the prophecy could have been him. Right. I mean, the prophecy could refer to him. So I think we ought to, because I think that there are clues along the way of what, of of the fact that Neville could have had those things, but that the way he was restricted, literally, with his hand tied behind his back, with using a wand that wasn't for him, um, why, you know, and the fact that he also had that that kind of verbal um, put down, psychological put down all that time. And I think because yeah, his uncle dropped him out of a window to see if he's magical. Like they've been trying exactly. to drown him. Like, just, like <laughs> that's why yeah. I don't, don't want yeah. to kind of throw it off. I think we really we should okay. start off the next podcast examining Neville. Okay. Deb has our assignment for next week. So this has been very thought-provoking, Janina. You wanted no podcast to know we're on our third podcast for Art of the Phoenix. This is all this your seems to be... <laughs> <laughs> but Jan- but Janina, you, you had so many really important things to say. I mean... Did I? <laughs> I, I know, right? I know. My plan, my evil plan has worked. You see, I knew Deb. I knew we were going to bring her out. That's why the first one, I didn't put an agenda. And if I put an agenda out, Janina would do like, mm, we discussed this, we discussed this, we discussed it. I said, let me wait until the second one. That's when I give the agenda where she can see it. And she would be like, oh my God. Like, Because I know, had I done like I did for the book four, she would have been like, oh, uh-uh, we ain't doing all of this. Nope, nope. <laughs> she would have been like, Ministry of Magic, here we are. This is a podcast. Three four ninety five from Professor Reed. <laughs> That's right. All right, guys, it has been fun. You know, it has I been have fun, lots always. Of don't forget to comment, people. Book. And don't forget we're on Spotify now. Exactly, and comment below. And after just just think, Janina, when we finish with the next episode, which will be the final one for Order Phoenix, we will get into your favorite book. 
favorite. The Half Blood Prince. Oh my God, I yeah. love it so much. I can't wait. I can't. She's wait. already been reading it, people. Trust me. She, she, she's, she's probably reread that book probably four times since we've been doing this podcast. Not true. <laughs> only once. It's such okay. a I've only I've only done it once since we started the podcast. Oh, but you reread the books during the podcast, though. So don't even lie. I know. You go back over I and said, again. So. I said I wasn't gonna redo Order of the Phoenix, and now here I am on my third time through. And you're contributing hey. so beautifully. See, I knew it. <laughs> so thank you, folks, for listening. Mischief managed. So are you gonna say Janina? I was. Go ahead. Okay. Mischief managed. <laughs> Take care. Ciao. <laughs>